now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time. Like the last time, you better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Hey guys, Jamie here. Welcome to another awesome episode of Mindset with Muscle. And we are done and dusted with the Mindset with Muscle book. We have smashed through nine chapters in nine weeks. And I really hope that you have enjoyed each and every one of those chapters. We're moving swiftly on to a bit of a flashback in this episode. And the flashback came from last night when I was watching my very good friend, Mr. Ross Edgley, swim around the UK. He is currently 63 or 64 days into his swimming challenge and has already broke two world records. The guy inspires the pants off me and I'm very, very proud to call him a good friend too. But last year I did an interview with Ross and it was one of my favorite interviews because Ross is a very motivating guy. You know, he pushes himself to the limit. But the main reason that he does this is to get other people to just push themselves a little bit harder. I mean, he's not telling you that you should swim around the UK. But what he's trying to do, and and personally what I'm trying to do with a lot of my endurance challenges, is just to get people up, get people moving, and just get people realizing that they're stronger and more focused than they actually think. And they just need to get that momentum and put one foot in front of the other. Really hope you enjoy this episode. I certainly enjoyed interviewing Mr. Edgley. Good afternoon, Facebook. How are you? <laughs> now, we, we literally, we're laughing because we were literally just chatting. was like, oh... You know, we haven't caught up for years. Well, say years. It's been since Body Power last year. We're like, oh, we might as well. We must hurry up and do this this live stream now. <laughs> so, ladies and gents, today I am joined with a, a a man, a myth. Well, you're you're half man, really, half man, half fish. I would say, um, but complete and utter legend, Mister Ross Edgley. Ross, how on earth are you? Me, I'm good. No, but you were just saying it because a lot's happened since we caught up at Body Power yeah, with your yeah. back run. Yeah. You know, with with me swimming with trees attached to well, my trunks. This, this is right. Okay, so I, I'm just gonna for those of the ladies and gents who don't know, I'm just gonna. I've got a little bit of a list here, Ross, and tell me if I miss <laughs> miss anything out or get anything wrong. So. This man, Mr. Ross Edgy, he pulled, first time I kind of knew he was kind of crazy, he, he asked me to just, just just share the link on pulling a mini for a marathon. I was like, okay, what the hell is that? So pull a mini for a marathon. You then did a 24-hour rope climb at a field. And then after you finished, then you did the obstacle race, which is apparently one of the most extreme obstacle races in Europe. So, you know, like, just just finish climbing the, the height of Everest with a rope and I'll do that. You complete a triathlon with a hundred pound tree, which you very cleverly called a triathlon, which is fantastic. Yes. Um, this around this time last year, when I was, it takes me about a week to 
recover from my hangover in January. <laughs> but during that time, you ran 31 marathons in 31 days in your living room just to see yeah. what the best breakfast to have would be afterwards. <laughs> So what's the best breakfast? I don't know. Let's just run 31 marathons. Let's run a marathon a day and find out. So, yeah. And then during my training for the backwards run, you we were around, we were doing it the same weekend, which was awesome. You swam 50 kilometers. Well, you meant to swim 40 kilometers. The, the tide was pulling you out. So you decided to swim another 10 kilometers. And you were so frustrated that you didn't get, to, you know, to shore that you decided five days later to do it all again now <laughs> i was having a, you know i was meant to, it takes me two weeks to mentally prepare for these massive endurance events and and i was just like hang on a minute you know i i'm done i'm mentally once i've done something like that i'm i'm done i'm done till the next year and you decide now nah, i'm not happy i'm gonna do that again so two 50 kilometer sea swims and then it was only two weeks ago that you swam 48 hours straight down at the royal marine base which was a terrible idea. That last one, was a terrible idea. <laughs> My hands have only just recovered. I don't know if oh, you can see, but they looked like they belonged to a dead person. <laughs> like they were, they were. <laughs> but I was told it's because you know when you get all wrinkly in the bath. Yeah. After like forty-eight hours, imagine like the wrinkles. It was it was bad. I mean, one of the guys came over as well, one of the Royal Marines, and was like, he was such a legend, like proper old school. And he just said, "I was in the Falklands, and my feet weren't that bad." I was like, hey. <laughs> "So, Ross, it's, so safe, it's safe to say. I mean, you have done some pretty crazy things over the last couple of years, you know. And it all starts with the first one. I believe it does. Um, something that I wanted to, you know, I've always tried to put my my finger on what that thing was um and i kind of found a motivational video by a guy called david goggins i don't know if you've heard of david goggins amazing yeah. yeah 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 and he pushes himself in these crazy endurance events and stuff like that and he was talking about um what the navy seals called the 40 percent rule and what the 40 percent rule is is there is a time where you think that you're completely done and you can't go on anymore and that actual time when you feel like that is only 40 percent of your of your capacity and that's quite interesting because as you know with navy seals they do hell week which is literally they get three hours sleep in five days and and it's it's not even a 24 it's not even a 48 hour event it's a five day endurance event that they go through and i think it's so true when they say well you know that first day is probably the worst day of their life they just want to go to sleep they just you know they've been having to tread water swim up and down the beach get cold and then the realization that they're only 40 percent of what they can achieve and that kind of blew my mind because it wasn't until i started to do things like you know push the sled for 24 hours run backwards uh, and do these things i realized I, that most people have more in the tank than they actually think and a lot of it's more mindset and i think a lot of people when they push themselves to the limit they forget that what they're feeling like at that very moment in time is very different to how they're going to feel for an hour from now two hours from now five hours from now and and that's where a lot of people kind of give up because they say i can't go anymore and it's really i can't go in anymore at the moment so i need to ease off a little bit you know refresh a little bit and get ready to go again so when did you kind of feel you know that kind of feeling because i think for me that was the second time that i'd done that kind of event that i realized these kind of things 
Yeah. It's, do you know what's so interesting is it, it doesn't matter what the event or what the person there is. You're, you're so right. There's one thing that, that kind of sort of binds everybody. And um, if you look at uh, Tim Noakes, he came up with this uh, central governor theory. And he basically just said very similar to what you said with the 40 percent uh, rule with the U US Navy SEALs. But Tim Noakes basically said that fatigue is a, an emotionally driven um, uh, mechanism that that. Basically, it almost acts as self-preservation. So when you're running, let's use a marathon for an example. When you're at that 16-mile mark and you think, oh, I've got absolutely nothing left, that's basically your brain telling your body, whoa, this, this isn't good for us. Let's ease up. We're fatigued. We're fatigued. And it shuts down sort of energy pathways. It makes you feel all lethargic. But we'd have all experienced this. Then you can imagine London Marathon. You come into that final mile. Everybody's clapping. Everyone's cheering. And all of a sudden, Tim Noakes and the central governor theory basically says that oh no we're not going to die you know our body's going to be okay we're going to survive so those energy pathways are all of a sudden opened up dopamine serotonin you know there's an orchestra of bioscience going on inside the body adrenaline dump bang because it thinks yeah it's okay look we can see the end now and we have all have seen it those people who just find something from nowhere and are able to sprint like that final hundred meters and you know, people go, oh, what happened there? And it's just like all it was is from 16 miles to 25 miles was this idea of the central governor theory that your body was basically saying, preserve yourself. You know, it's this self-preservation. And it doesn't matter. And I've since I've given a talk at Loughborough on this where I say, you know, a lot of people go, oh, that's crazy that you go and swim with a tree or you do a triathlon with a tree and all this. I'm like, yeah, but the principles are exactly the same. And it doesn't matter if, you know, you are, you know, overweight and, and never run a five kilometer race before, you know, at three kilometers in, you're going to go through that exact, exact same central governor theory and all of everything that we just described, you're still going to go through the same. And I think when you actually understand what's going on there and you picked up on it there, Jay, where you say, like, you're trying to override that. The most successful athletes, US Navy SEALs, military, it doesn't matter, are able to actually override that and say to their body, look, you know, they say to their brain and you have these conversations in your head, you know, let's use you as an example, running backwards, you know, you're like 19 hours in and your brain is going like, seriously, like, Jamie, what are you doing? Like, my calves are killing me. And you're going, I know you're hurting, you know, but if you get me through the next few hours, you know, I'll give you some saurine or a pretzel, which you, you were saying, and then we'll listen to some music. And absolutely pacing strategies, um, but also looking to, to train for this as well. And yeah. Um, you know, me and you, Jamie, we've got a, a good uh, mutual friend of ours, Matt, who's a PTI in the Royal Marines. And one thing that always stuck with me from my time with the Royal Marines, and they said, you, Ross, are an athlete. So you're used to training. Uh, you're used to performing at your best when you feel at your best. Whereas we're Royal Marines. So we're used to performing at our best when we feel at our worst. And it always that. resonated with me. Yeah. And I, I sort of like paused for a moment and I was like, yeah, because when I'm down at Limstone and, you know, I'm fortunate enough to go and do the endurance course or I jump in with some of the PTIs, you know, at no point can I put my hand up and say, uh, excuse me, I uh, didn't have a pre-workout, feeling a little bit tired. I'm just going to go and stretch, maybe do some like ballistic plyometric work before I jump back in. They would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> no, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think so, that's very... You know, I remember my training and the thing is my training doesn't start to get really serious and I mean by really serious until like a month before it actually happens and I kind of 
not not self-destruct, but I still drink. I, I end up drinking more on the weekends, and I end up making trainer harder on myself because I have I used to have my long one. I used to have my my four to six hour run on a Monday, and I'd still feel quite hungover. But I'd still then I'd hit like a PB time on it, and I'd be like, ah, so this. So this drinking malarkey on the weekend is working. And then I'd always, like, I just got back. I had a heavy weekend um, with, with Anna um, in London. I come back and I'm smashing out some of my best squats. I'm like, what's all this about? And, it's, and obviously I'm thinking, well, it must be the magic of the alcohol. No, it's the alcohol caused you to have nine hours sleep instead of your usual seven. So you rest and recovered. And yeah. you spent you know, this weekend drinking, so you weren't overly stressed and you're more relaxed. So it's more, you know, it's more causation of those than the correlation of drinking and, and that. So it's, it's, tr- and it's breaking down those things. And, uh, but, you know, going back to what I was saying, I, I always make things difficult on myself. You're like, someone stupidly said to me this weekend, and it's not going to happen, I'll tell you now, but as you know, I, I spoke to you about doing uh, my box from Everest, and they turned around and said to me, what do you think they said? They said, Jamie, you should do it backwards you should do backwards <laughs> box jumps for a marathon and i've made a note on my phone i'm gonna obviously <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I, I'm gonna obviously attempt maybe 30 minutes to see the difference in pace um yeah. but i will i will jump forward i think i'm very good at jumping on boxes backwards though however um, weirdly so i've seen on instagram yeah. Why is that? <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is with doing things backwards. I really don't. But well, you did this at the Body Power because when you first told me about the backwards marathon, I can't remember. I think there was me. I think Phil Graham was there. Yeah. I think Kurt Miller was there. And you just said, like, guys, I'm really good at running backwards. And we were all remember, like chilling. It was like the second day. We we're all quite tired. And we were all sitting there like that going, what? And you went, I'm really good at moving backwards. And then with that, I remember you just literally just started like disappearing. <laughs> you were so quick. We were like, what? What is that? No, for no like reason. It was like that makes no sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know what. Maybe it's just your calves. Yeah. Maybe you just. I, I, Joe, it all started. I was I was in the army and uh, we were getting beasted up this giant hill and the and the pti thought it'd be best to make us do it backwards and we ended up doing it three times the first time i ran up and i must have been at the top about a good three four minutes before anyone else had a really nice rest everyone's looking at me like how did he get up there so quick and then it's back down and everyone's really in in bad in a bad way now back up again i get another five minute rest at the top because it's just so easy running backwards up it and i'm just like how is everyone struggling with this and I, I didn't know it was because I'm just, I don't know, quick at running backwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about that, though, and, and you'll probably get this as well, Jamie, mate, but like when people see your, your backwards marathon and, and the sled push, a lot of people always say, you know, oh, that's amazing, but I can't do that. Yeah. You know, people say that to me, oh, swimming 40 hours, that's amazing, but I can't swim. And I'm like, no, 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 but there will be something that you can do like far better than anyone else. Yeah. And, and I truly believe that. I've always found... And you know me, I'm like a nomad, so I go like all over from different sports and stuff. And some people are freakishly strong. Yeah, you know, yeah. Robson's strong and he's just got a crazy log press. Other people have inexplicably like strong backs. Mark Felix, over 50 now, still one of the strongest backs in Strongman. You know, so it's like just find something and own it. And even if it's running backwards, you know, like you, I'm like just own it and see how far you can take it yeah i think a lot of it's mindset i mean i've gone to extremes with this and i had exactly the same a lot of people said they couldn't do that 
And I kind of turned around and said, well, if I kidnapped all your family and said that I was going to murder them if you didn't do it, would you do it? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, well, so you, nothing's changed physically, just mentally. And what you don't understand is that if you know what that is and you know how to tap into that, then you can more or less do anything that you want. Because now the reasons behind why you're doing it are far greater than, you know, that thought process of I not, might not be able to achieve it. And I, you know, I, I remember speaking about being able to tap into this by utilizing certain music tracks, utilizing certain quotes and things that hit an emotional trigger with me during certain stages. And, you know, I, I, I go through these massive tracks of music and quotes and everything else like that. And I compile all of these lists, which just enable me to switch certain parts on when, when I needed it. And that was kind of my mindset with, with those things. And I'm just wondering whether you've got anything similar to that, that you did or that you do with some of yours. I mean, did you, you didn't listen to any music, did you, during your 48 hour swim or did you, you didn't listen to any with the, the sea swim? No, and I think that was probably harder because it was just sensory deprivation. So it's just you are, I mean, certainly for the 40 hour swim, I was just staring at the bottom of a pool. Um, but what was amazing, and, I, and again, we spoke about this, you know, off uh, this call, but it was, um, I, I, from an athletics background, I'm used to sport. So the parameters are quite clearly set out. It's like you are running 800 meters. That is twice around this track. And you can look and you go, right, okay, I've got that. Whereas again, people with a, a military background are so used to sort of being told like from the, the PTIs and go, right, mile as quick as you can. And at the end they go, okay, another one and another one. You're like, when is this going to stop? You know, so there's that, those sorts of mind games. And during the 48 hour swim, certainly it was amazing to have the Royal Marine PTIs there because they described exactly what you did where you start to actually break the whole thing down. Don't think of it as a 48 hour swim. No, think of it in terms of like one K's and then a pretzel, you know, one K and then a protein bar, you know, and break the whole thing down. Um, but then also as well, like, and I don't, I don't know if this is, is everybody, but there was moments certainly during the, um, from the St. Lucia swim, um, where it was just like, it was so dark because I obviously swam through night. I couldn't actually see my hand in front of my face. Um, I hoped that there were dolphins I could hear and not sharks. Um, and then there was a period as well. I remember where the, uh, the captain shouts to me um, from the boat and he was like, Ross, you're in a really, really bad current. You've got to swim hard. You know, you're going backwards. So I was like, OK, no worries. So I set my watch and I thought I'm going to swim hard for three hours, you know, in three hours with the tree. Usually, you know, that's 10 to 15 K. And I was like, that will easily get me out of any current. So for three hours, I swam and then I popped my head up and I looked at the captain. I was like, how are we doing? And he didn't look me in the eye. He couldn't. And he just went, Ross, he goes, you've not moved. <laughs> you've been in the spot for three hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was livid. And I, but what was really interesting is at that point, I mean, my, my language was quite colorful, as you can imagine. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, we've not moved for three hours. And he was, uh, Vincent was his name, and he was so laid back, Caribbean, you know, been sailing in those waters for four years. And he just goes, Ross, he goes, the whole time we're arguing, you've moved back 800 meters. I was like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> so I realized there was just no good arguing or complaining or feeling sorry for yourself. Like the, the only, th my two options were get out and stop or carry on. But arguing wasn't one because I was moving back. And I think it was a weird, like, metaphor for life in many ways and, and it's yeah. just like yeah you can argue but you you're just going to end up going backwards so just stop feeling sorry for yourself because there was nowhere to hide out there 
Yeah. I've, I've got a tree attached to my trunks. What am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I've got myself into this mess. <laughs> I, I think it's times like that as well. You, you learn the greatest lessons. I mean, something that I think we discussed you, probably two years ago when you were on the podcast was um, really what you learn from doing these things. And when I used to do when I used to compete and get my body fat down as low as possible, it was very much similar to these endurance events that you were, it was just you versus you, you know, it's your, you versus your head, all these thoughts and feelings going through of what you could do. Uh, and then all the outcomes. Um, but really it's just a case of just, you know, keep moving forward. And even sometimes if you're moving in the wrong direction, you're still moving. Um, but it's only when you stop, as you obviously, as you did, and when you lose that momentum, that you end up going backwards. And, yeah. you know, it's that yeah. whole philosophy. And that's kind of what I want to speak to you today about as well, Ross, is, is your kind of life philosophies. Because if there's, you know, I, I speak about people getting triggered all the time. And I used to, I, you know, I get a hell of a lot less triggered now because of more of my routines and rituals this year. And I don't think I've ever seen you get into an argument with anyone online. I think you are the, the nicest man in the fitness industry. <laughs> I was like, Ross, Ross, just everyone's friends with Ross. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Ross. You know, it's, 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 it's a very infectious thing. And I think it's a huge talent and a skill for somebody have to have, to have just the self-confidence and, and knowledge that, you know, we're all just trying to do the best every day and sometimes you know what people say isn't actually what they mean um so i just wanted to really try and delve into your head of where you've kind of got that philosophy because it's very kind of stoic uh, yeah. and you know how long have you kind of really had that kind of thought process with how you how you approach life and how you approach people that's a, uh, yeah, I've never I've, I've never thought about it like that. I've I've never I've never been asked that. But I think it's like m- me and you. So to go back, it was like two years ago now when we spoke after the the world's strongest marathon, and it was um I just I just was like fascinated by what you were doing, and I just think collectively that's the only way like the fitness industry is kind of going to move forward. I think sometimes there's too much competition and not enough sort of camaraderie. Collaboration, and, and, yeah. Hundred percent, and I, I say this all the time, and it's just like I would get such a kick out of actually coming and supporting as well. I'm like seriously, I'm an awesome water boy. Where do I send my CV? I'm there, you know. And and I just think, you know, there, there's things that I'm really not very good at, but I'd love to support someone who can. So collectively, in a weird way, it's like when you did the the sled push. In a weird way, like I was like. Or I felt that everybody was tuning in because it went so viral that like I think people felt like, yeah, the human body can do that. So, yeah, it was your achievement. But I certainly was like, yeah, like the human, we can do yeah. that. He's done yeah. it. And I was very much like that. I mean, it, for me, it wasn't a it wasn't a selfish thing because competing to me is a very selfish sport. It's all about you. And if you get the trophy, you win. But when I started, when I did the sled push, when I did the backwards run, it was like, I didn't win the charity run. Uh, you know, we raised 12,000 the first year. We raised 22,000 this year. And I always say we, because I can't do, you know, without the people around me to support, to, to drive, to motivate and to donate, none of it would happen. So whenever I spoke, it was like, we did this, we did this, we did this. I'm, I'm literally just, just meat and bones 
moving forward for a, a goal which we all want to create. And I think that's a very yeah. pa- it's a very powerful thing when when you know that because you you don't feel like you're on your own when you do these kind of things because you've got those and I think as well the people around you it's just incredible their support their determination you know like the the 24 event you know I was nice and warm I was running backwards for 24 hours but everyone there that was counting the laps that was giving me my water was freezing cold because yeah. they had to stand there for 24 hours and I couldn't think of anything worse I'd rather run backwards for 24 hours so at least my body you know at least I'm keeping warm but none <laughs> but the thing is they said they didn't have anything to complain about because they weren't <laughs> running backwards for 24 hours so they they literally had nothing to complain about and they were just more motivated more focused and I could feel that every single lap I could see how how much people wanted to be there they didn't feel like it was a chore um, and that was an incredible feeling, which actually gave me the additional energy to dry food because I didn't feel like I was just doing it by myself. I'm sure yeah. you felt like that with, with the swim when you've got the, the guy on the boat, um, when you, when you're down the Marines, when you, you know, when you're pulling the, when you're pulling the mini and every other crazy event that you've done. That's exactly it. And you picked up on, you're such right. It's a team. You can't do this on your own. And, and like everybody who, and, and, and that was one of my first posts after the St. Lucia swim because everyone was like, oh, wow, you did it. I was like, no, 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 no we did it. Yeah. And I was like, because, and, I, and, I, and um, I've got to give a shout out to them, but uh, basically uh, Brad and Kirby, who were the two sailors who were out there, no one had ever gone from Martinique to St. Lucia swimming with a tree, but no one had ever done it on a dinghy either. They were out there for 19 hours. And I can't honestly, Jamie, mate, like, so it's hard to explain. But imagine I'm swimming like that. And it's at night, so I can sight off them. So they're on the boat, and they've got a little flashlight. The waves are so bad. They're like five to six foot. And because all I can see is them, I'm looking. That's all I can see. And also, sound travels quite well across the water. So I can hear everything they're saying. And I can see them. They've got a bucket, and they're throwing like water at the dinghy. <laughs> they're down. The waves are hitting them. And so I'm looking going, oh, God, they're really in trouble. And as I'm swimming, I look up and I can hear them going, we're going down, we're going down. <laughs> and they're flipping the water out. This is, like I said, 16 hours in. And I stop and I go, guys, are you all right? But they never wanted to see me see them suffer. So they'd be like, we're going, oh, it's going great, Ross. Winning. I'm like, I can, I can hear you. <laughs> all the amount of times I could hear them and they'd be like going, He's not moving. He's not moving. He's in the same spot. And then I'd look and go, how are we doing? And they'll go, you're doing great. And I'd turn around and like Martinique's there. I'm like, I can still see the shore. I've not moved. But they were just so like, we're not going to let you see us suffer. And I was like, that is so like, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. But, but then also as well, it's, um, and, and I always say this, it's, it's only through, and I'm going to give a shameless plug to, to the book now, I suppose, as well. But it was the, um, as you know, Jamie, and, and also as well, you're such a legend. You, we were one of the first to pre-order it, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you uh, if you would have sent me one, I'd have given it back because I'd have been like, oh, well, no, because I don't, I, I, if I'm going to, you know, I'm going to buy a book. Like, if anyone, I hate it when people send me the book. I'd rather them send me the link to buy it. You know, because it, it shows a contribution to somebody who's worked their bollocks off. And I know firsthand how hard it is to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mate, it meant, it meant a lot. So, yeah, it really did. When you, when you, I was like, what is he doing? He would get one. Nah. But, um, 
It was um, what was so nice about the the book. Like I said, it's been ten years sort of writing it, but it's such a melting pot. So I was like, it started off ten years ago when I was at Loughborough, and I was like, what would happen if the world's strongest man? So I was training with like Andy Bolton and Jeff Capes, two-time world's strongest man. And I was like, what would happen if they spoke to Linford Christie? You know, and and they kind of like you combine speed with their strength to make like unbridled power. And I was like, don't know. So I ended up ju- jumping from Brunel to Loughborough University to Lincolnshire, where where Jeff gets trained. And I was jumping between the two. And then I started like to scribble down these hybrid workouts. And then, I mean, I was fortunate enough to go and live in in Africa for a month. And I was living with the Sam Bushman out there, who were like insane endurance athletes covering an ultramarathon a day, just looking for food. And I was like, well, hang on. What if you started to apply some of their feats of endurance and started to couple that with, you know, nutrigenomics, bioenergetics, and our understanding of modern science and energy pathways. I'm like, that's brilliant. So I started to do that. Martin McDonald, who I know you had on the other day, yeah. uh, good friend of both of ours. It just so happens that I knew Martin 10 years ago. We were in the same halls. And it's now really weird to see Martin, this globally renowned nutrition expert. So I was just like, Martin, can you like, help me with the book? He was like, yeah, no worries. You know, so it's just this melting pot of like, unbelievable people and and i always say because it's called the world's fittest book that in no way is kind of me being uh like arrogant or about my accolades or anything it's more about the people and you know everything from the royal marines to world record holders and olympians who have made it possible and i think it's exactly the same with what you've done i know like ollie you know one of the the grenade trainers as well he's looking to do his iron man and i just think it's like everyone just needs to even kirk miller after our no, no, what's it? Pant, pants down uh, workout at the body power. Even Kirk's on about doing some insane endurance event. I'm like, yeah, but collectively, everyone needs to get together and just share, you know, these these kind of like these I don't know, like theories, principles that yeah. dates back to like Eugene. And it's something that we discussed before is that people are very much put themselves in a box of I am this, I am that, I am that. And when you start delving deep, you you notice. You know, it's not necessarily being just good at one thing. It's being good at, you know, the one thing isn't the sport. The one thing is how you approach it. Look at, you know, the example I give that, I was just watching a documentary with Eddie Hall. And Eddie Hall was, you know, a champion swimmer who was beating Mark Foster's time when he was younger. And then suddenly decides to go into strongman and now is the world's strongest man. Um, And there's lots of examples of that. Um, The current world champion bodybuilder, um, Phil Heath used to be a basketball player. Then, yeah. then ten years ago, decided to do bodybuilding and became, you know, six times Mr. Olympia. And it's though it's, it interests me with that because when I watched the documentary, it wasn't necessarily, you know, that it was the the, the passion to want to be the best at, at that thing, and the mindset that you know it, there's a huge element of stubbornness and competitiveness, but. But I, you know, everyone has that to a certain degree, and you know, I, I've, I tend to try and be aware, wary of the people that I'm around when I do it. So if I'm on holiday with Eliza <laughs> and there's a little parents thing, I, I will go easy. I'm like, and Anna, Anna, Anna knows knows me, and she's like, she's just like, you can't just ease up on that. And I'm like, I'll, I'll try. Because um, there's nothing worse than being that parent who you know, you've been to one of these one of these like Greek holidays and and the winner of the table tennis is Jamie Alton and the winner of the pool knockout is Jamie and the winner of the beach body 
and is Jay, and you're like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> should, <laughs> should I, should... <laughs> directing medals, looking like Michael Phelps. Yeah. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, winning table tennis and that. But I think it's just, you know, I've, I've always been like that. I've always like, you know, I, I, I see patterns and, and I just give it a hundred percent. I think there's no, there is no other, there is no other percentage for me. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something to the best of my ability. And I see that with you and I see that with these top athletes. And I'm so intrigued by that mindset of they, I think it's very powerful when you know that it's all in your control. Yeah. And, you know, it's all down to being able to reverse engineer something. And that's something, you know, if anyone can take anything away from this with regards to fat loss, the people, the reason that people don't achieve fat loss is because they look and go, I've got 50 pounds to lose, but they don't think, well, that's only, no, let's not, let's not look at 50 pounds. Let's look at a pound a week. Yeah. And by the end of the year, I'd have chosen habits weekly, which are, you know, consistent, which are enjoyable, which can see me losing a pound a week. And, and it's just adhering to some basic fundamentals. But the same with something such as swimming. You know, you're not going, right, I need to train this. I need to now whack a tree on my back and swim 50 kilometers. It's no, I'm going yeah. to find a little twig. I'll, may, I'll maybe just wrap a rubber band around my foot and I'm just going to do a couple of 50-meter laps around the pool. <laughs> Just so I can get used to having something on my foot. <laughs> but this is the same with weight loss. It's not, I'm going to go in and do a CrossFit one. It's, I'm going to actually get up and do 5,000 steps and I'm just going to make conscious decisions on my food. And then when you realize that you get those small wins, then you can, you know, get bigger and bigger. But then it all starts with giving yourself enough time and, and just breaking it down. You know, like I haven't officially discussed um box jumping everest but i looked at how how much how many meters high everest is and i converted that into inches and then i gave and then i've got three different boxes and then i've just looked at the strategy um with one box straight with two boxes so you know have like um deload hours and yeah. kind of reload hours where i'm getting the time up and then i'm easing off and it's just and it's just an Excel spreadsheet and maths yeah. Yeah. and then breaking yeah. each hour down. I'm not looking at 24 hours. I'm not looking at the end goal. I'm just looking at what can I realistically do in an hour time frame, and then be able to do 24 sets of that. Yeah. What I'd love as well, and, and like a hundred percent agree with everything you're saying in that there's a blueprint and there's a way to do it. But what I love as well about what you do, and I think it's one thing that we both kind of do is just like, just aim so high because like, and it's weird, it goes back to that central governor theory, but I certainly found this with my first few swims that when, I mean, because I'm in Cheshire, there's nowhere to really swim outdoors. So I was forced to swim in a 25 meter pool, just staring at the bottom of the pool. And it does like weird things with your head. But sometimes if you, if I say I'm going to do, you know, 10K today, it can be a hard 10K and I'm just dragging ass for that final 2K. But if I sometimes go down and say I'm going to do 20K today, 10k will fly by because I know I've got 20 and I just think there's so many people and it doesn't matter if it's your first 5k I think you should make it 10 and it doesn't matter and 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 then some people loads of people have said to me this year like you know I'm going to do my first marathon and I'm like that's amazing but you know anything over 26.2 miles is technically an ultra so just run a bit further and say you did an ultra and they're like yeah, why not? And there are people now looking at the roots of their marathons and they go, and then I'll run home. I'm like, yeah, and then you'd have done an ultra. And I just think there's something like, 
you know, even, and, and I said this after my swim, it was just like the, the, the swimming, you know, 100 kilometers with a 100 pound tree, it was only actually 40 kilometers from point to point. So I massively overswam, but still didn't actually touch the beach. So it was like, I, I did actually fail in what I originally set out to do. But because the goal was so big, you end up succeeding in other ways. Yeah. And I just think it's the same with you. It's just like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna jump on boxes, jump Everest. Like, it's the only thing to do. And I know you, and I think we share this mindset. If somebody said to you, jump on a box, the height of Ben Nevis, you'd probably do it, but then you'd go to bed that night going, that's not Everest though, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like- but this, this, this is what someone said to me before though. Um, they said, oh, you should do a Tough Mudder. And I'm like, I love Tough Mudders. I love obstacle races, but I look left and right to me and there's thousands of people doing it. Oh, you should mm. do an ultra marathon. I look left, look right. There's probably 150 people on the start line. So that doesn't appeal to me because there's 150 other people that can do that. Oh, you yeah. should run 100 kilometers backwards. I, I look in the Guinness World Records and there's two people in out of six billion people in the world that have done it. And I was like, yeah, that's the thing that I'm going to do. You know, and, yeah. and, and this is the thing that... Um, when I see something that someone else has done, I've got to make it a little bit more difficult because I don't, yeah. I just, I, you know, if something's already been done, it means that it's been done. And it's like coming back to that whole Roger Bannister thing is that if it's already been done, then it's not a challenge. You know, if someone's yeah. run that four minute mile and thousands of other people, it's not a challenge anymore. Yeah. It's pushing the boundaries of what it is that you can do. And very much so, you know, when I heard that you were swimming 48 hours, obviously I go into my head and think, geez, you know, I've done 24 endurance and that's just another, that's just another level because then you've got that and now it's as if you're back on the start line ready to go again. Yeah. And, and I love what you said there. It's not even personal, but it's like, it's collective. So I say, I, I feel exactly the same as you, that if I turned up at a, a fell race, for instance, I'd be looking and I'll be like, there are 90% of people, some 60 year olds who are going to be quicker than me. So I'm almost like, you know, here's the baton. You run that, you smash that, you push the human yeah. race forward in that particular department. But it's exactly the same. If I turned up on, on a backwards marathon start line and you were there, I'd be like, you're better. You like carry that flag and let's see what the human body can do backwards because you're better. So you smash that. And I, I get a kick out of that. But and it's exactly the same. It's partly that it's a personal challenge, but also as well, if everybody does something that they're uniquely good at, I just find what we'll find out about the human body will just be like, we'll be nuts. It'll yeah. just be amazing. Like, we can run backwards. We can swim with trees. We can do it. We can box jump Everest. It'll be awesome. And yeah. I think, and that's why I would go back to, I think it would be amazing. Anybody watching this, if they're thinking like, oh, you know, what could I be good at? I'm like, find it, but then also double it. And I just think like, just go big. And, yeah, and then definitely. even if... Even if it's not the metrics as well, and this is weird, that during the whole of the second swim um, for the uh, strongman swimming, I did, uh, I think it was 30 bananas, uh, 30 energels, 20 basically like rice pudding food bags that I piped into my face. Um, I think it was over a gram of caffeine and it was just obscene. So there was a personal best in the, you know, it was like, which is a weird one. But now I know the human body can eat 30 bananas, 30 angels. So it's like you will find something within what you've done that is a personal best, even if it's not actually the, the metric at the end. It might be like, oh, I'll run a marathon. It wasn't a PB. But I did find the 16th mile was my quickest mile. You know, there will always be something. Yeah, def- definitely so. And 
I always like to push that. If it scares me, then it's the right thing to do. And you know, I remember my first my first hour that I'd run backwards was was the longest hour of my life, and I was just like, "Is that realization? Like, damn, this is gonna this is gonna be this is gonna push you, Jamie, to your limit." And it did. I remember. Um, I think it was August, no, July, and we had a nightmare because I was meant to do it at Loughborough, uh, the backwards run, and <laughs> it was just, couldn't get the communications right, it's five and a half hour drive and I wanted to do something local, so I ended up having to change it and then book it two and a half months ahead, but I just remember one July, I ran six hours, it was a hot day and it just broke me, you know, I was four hours in and I was broken, and I dragged myself around for two hours in complete and utter agony. And I, I just had a little breakdown moment. I was just like, this is, this is tough, Jamie. You know, this is hard. And that, that really changed the game for me because it enabled me to think, right, you know, this is, this is what it's about. You know, this yeah. is the right thing to do because this is kicking your ass. This is, yeah. this is saying to you now, Jamie, you know, what are you going to do about it? And yeah. I love those kind of moments because, I think life hits you with those in many, many ways. Um, and it's that quote where they say life is sort of 10% what happens to you and 90% how you deal with it. And that's mm -hmm. why I very much like, you know, the kind of philosophy of stoicism where, you know, stoicism is always all about controlling what you can and not worrying about what you can't. And mm -hmm. it's, it's the, you know, it's the, continuous pursuit of understanding what's what and having that kind of filter system by saying yep i'm completely responsible in control of that or there is zero i can do about that so why on earth worry and just having that mindset and those daily practices changes the game because yeah. you get rid of the little things that really don't matter you cling on to the things that do and yeah. you're constantly curious as to, well, why is that? You know, why just because somebody says that that is a fact doesn't actually make it a fact. Yeah. And I've been very much driven by spite my whole life because someone says I can't do something and it's just the satisfaction of knowing I can and proving someone wrong. You know, you can't write a book, Jamie, you failed your GCSEs. Well, there you go. Wrong. Um, someone said to me, how are you going to run a, how are you going to run a, a hundred kilometers backwards? Have you ever run a marathon forward? And I was like, no. And then I run three back to back marathons backwards. <laughs> and I remember I, I was waiting. Cause I remember that comment the first week I said I was going to do it. Someone actually commented on my Facebook and I remember I, I, I just run the first marathon and I, I just said to the camera, easy <laughs> marathon, marathon. What's that? That's, that's just, that's the first set. <laughs> and it, and I just like that because so many people shouldn't listen to what other people think that they should do. If it, if you honestly, at the bottom of your heart, believe it's the right thing to do, then then go for it, and don't let the opinions of other people stop you from pursuing your dreams and you know finding out yourself what your limit is and what's possible. Yeah. I love that. And that's one thing I love about almost removing the, the stigma. I mean, like triathlons, for instance, there is almost like that barrier to entry where you think, oh, I don't have a bike. I don't have a racing bike. I don't have it. I'm like, 
do you want a BMX? Have you got a BMX? You know, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, then what more do you need? Is the water cold? Yeah, you can rent a wetsuit. Honestly, 20 quid, you can rent one. And there's been a few friends of mine who have since done Ironmans, and they just completely, like, winged it. And I'm just there going, like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) On a BMX. Incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Stabilizers on the back. But I love it because it's just like... The same way that you, it was just like easy. It just like I think there's probably a lot of people who think I'd love to do a triathlon or I'd love to do a marathon, but oh maybe next year, you know, maybe I'll train for it and stuff. And I'm like, I honestly believe you won't do it quick, but everybody can do a marathon. Yeah. Bar obviously medical conditions and everything like that, absolutely. But most people, if you, you can walk it, you know, if you pace yourself and stuff, you will do 26.2 miles. And I think that's so nice. That like with what you do as a nice byproduct, I bet a lot of people have thought, well, actually, Jamie did this backwards. I'm sure I could do one forwards. Exactly. And that's nice. And that's it. I mean, that's the whole, you know, what we're talking about with the the four minute mile Roger Banners, because they've seen somebody else being able to do it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. If someone can run that backwards, then at least I can run that forward. Yeah. Um, definitely you know it's yeah. incredible so there's there's kind of two more questions uh one i'm like just like i, I dare to even ask ross and that that is of course what what is next for ross edgley what <laughs> uh, do you know what, what, what have you got up your sleeve <laughs> so this is the weird thing so at the moment the, the the 48 hour marine swim I, I i said you know it was just training and it was really nice like the support was incredible but i was like no 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 it was just training just to see where i'm at and having done it i'm like cool okay i can swim for 48 hours so now i'm just kind of speaking to a lot of people saying like look i can swim for 48 hours what should we do <laughs> have, you, have you done have you done the channel yet no, because I, this comes back to the first one. I wanted to do the channel with the tree. And I'm like, Jim, I wish I'd recorded the phone conversation. Because I, I rung up and I was like, hello. And they were like, hello, this is the English channel. And I was like, hi, can I swim the channel? They were like, absolutely. I'll send you the paperwork. I went, fantastic. I said, just sorry, just one point. I want to do it towing a tree. <laughs> and the person on the other end went, well, you can't. <laughs> and I went, why not? And this bit cracks me up every time. And he goes, well, you're not a registered vessel. <laughs> And I went, oh no. I said, well, how do you my <laughs> How do I register as a vessel? <laughs> and then the phone went dead. <laughs> I was like, oh no. Oh wow. So that's why I did it in the Caribbean in the end. So, and then also, actually, like the channel sounds, I mean, obviously the channel's amazing, but, and, 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 and you know, and everybody's done it. I mean, the, the waves, the, like the cold, I mean, it's, it's amazing. But to your point, I'm like, people have done it. Well, this, so like, this is what, funny enough, I was speaking to Matt about this, and I was like, right, <laughs> I'm not the best swimmer, but I do want to swim the channel. And I, I said to him, well, everyone's, so many people that have done the channel, less people have swam the channel than they've climbed Everest, though. That's an interesting yeah. fact. But yeah. I said, what we should do is we should swim to France, and we'll do the world's longest triathlon. We'll get to France, and we'll cycle round, and then we'll run, and then we'll swim back. And it's just like, what are you on about? And I was just like, no, we can do like the, the world's longest triathlon where you literally yeah, swim across the channel, cycle around to France, run around another country and then swim back to England. That well, could be Captain the next Webb. one. Captain Webb was the first guy to swim the channel and he did it. And I quote, Jay, he did it breaststroke 
because to swim front crawl was ungentlemanly like. <laughs> true story. And if you Google him, he's got the best mustache. And he's like that. He's standing there in some like Edwardian, like, I don't know, old Victorian thing like that. That could be you. you so, that's, just... I, so that's hope for me, yeah. <laughs> I am, I, I would, I would say I'm the, I am a strong, I am a strong breaststroker. I have got some, I've got some breaststroke skills I have. <laughs> oh, you're just crushing it across. <laughs> I would love oh, that. I'd have to grow the moustache as well though, because I'd I have think to. You were just like that, I'm just, yeah, so, just some like. And, and then another idea I've had, I mean, feel free to take that one, Ross, but have you seen those rickshaws? Yeah, the badass ones in yeah. India. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was thinking to do an endurance event, like carrying two people on a rickshaw. I Can I volunteer to be carried? I would, I would lose weight, honestly. I would, <laughs> mate, that would be sick. But I've said this before. When you look at the population of India and you look at the population of Britain and you look at like what Team Sky are doing, I, I don't know, but I am convinced that there is some rickshaw driver who is a Tour de France champion, yeah. but because he's never had the opportunity. And I do think there is something in that to go over. There's probably some, and I always say this as well, like when I did my, uh, the world's uh, strongest marathon, everyone's like, oh, well done. I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. But I bet there's some woman in Russia who does this with a train, you know? And I was like, and, and that's what's amazing that I think exploring weighted yeah. rickshaw. Yeah, because I, 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 I bet someone covers 20, 30 miles a day with that and it's just their job. And they don't even think twice of it actually being an endurance event. It's just a way to make money. Yeah, yeah, so. it's exactly the same. And I always say with Everest and the Sherpas, you know, uh, that history is, is completely littered with those who have climbed Everest. And like, you know, very rarely do the Sherpas, who have done it and with weight, you know, actually get you know any you know credit and stuff so yeah no i think that would be sick that would be amazing <laughs> i think I'll, i think we'll have to put our head together and i'd also someone actually did mention on the live about doing something at body power like maybe okay. saturday night or saturday day to saturday night to sunday morning i don't know we you could, know i'll be, <laughs> be <laughs> no but we, we could or could not maybe do our twenty thousand calorie challenge i don't know <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Because I, I, I love the spin. I don't, we should probably chat about this offline, but I love the spin that you put on it, which was like you can consume the calories once you've burnt them off. Yeah. So you could just pick like your weapon of choice and pick like like an air bike and then just like crush that so you can have a burger. I think it's worth chatting about because, you know, I think we got uh, like 1,100 people on our live stream um last body power so we need to try and keep that that momentum going last time i think i think uh, i think a thousand of them were for kirk in his pants but it did spike when he took his back <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was incredible so <laughs> i, I kind of want to finish ross with your book obviously it's been 10 years in the making since you left loughborough that no doubt there is some insane insane content on there and obviously i pre-ordered it as soon as i knew that you'd launched it because you've been oh. talking about it for the last two years so is there anything that you can give us as a sneak peek about what the we are kind of you said as a melting pot what are people going to get from the book yeah so it's um 
Essentially, it's uh, and, and what I love about what you just said about a blueprint, it's like a systematic way to run your body. So there's so many things that history have taught us about running the human body, but we've kind of ignored it. And it's like too many. I talk about, um, you know, the law of uh, progressive overload. So you have to do more today than you did yesterday to continually improve. You know, Milo of Croton, famous story when he picked up a, a calf and then walked into town, the calf turned into a bull. That is essentially progressive overload. And it, it basically goes back to systematically looking how you apply this to achieve a fitness goal. So if you want to get fast, um, that chapter was written with uh, Linford Christie, Ashley Bryant as well. Ashley's uh, Loughborough heptathlete, absolute specimen. Um, so not only was Linford very quick, obviously Olympic gold medalist running 100 metres, but you have someone like Ashley Bryant who's very quick over many different ranges of motion. Uh, the strength chapter written with Andy Bolton and, and Jeff Capes. So first guy to deadlift over a £1,000 two-time world's strongest man. And we just, oh, the endurance chapter written with um, the Cambridge rowing team, Street Steve Trapmore, who was an Olympic gold medalist rowing, um, but also fuses what you learned at Cambridge and rowing with also the um, what I learned when I lived uh, for a month out with the Sam Bushman um, running an ultramarathon a day, looking at barefoot biomechanics, energy pathways. So it's this kind of like whole narrative of what's happened to me for 10 years but then systematically puts it into workouts so you can understand the theory and go, oh, that's how I should run my body. Um, so it's, it's, there's a lot of things that we've spoke about. There's a lot of like stories about what happened during the world's longest road climb that I've never revealed before, which is a little bit embarrassing. Um, but there's things in there that you'll be able to read. But then there's actually the science to it. So it performs almost like a, a, a literary autopsy on how you can actually achieve that but that, that's the main thing though as well Ross isn't it you do something and then you're interested and it's only science that's going to really be able to explain what that is and I think that's the most magical thing because I still believe that there's things that people have yet to discover that they can do take Wim Hof for example you know yeah. um, and I think there's still going to be things over the next decade or so which they're going to discover there's going to be yeah. some absolute specimens out there that are just going to defy what at the moment people believe is true. And yeah. only until you hit that thing and then start getting deep into a book like yours that you're going to go, ah, oh, that's what that was. And I think that's, that's, exactly that, I think that's what's so magical about not only, you know, having that science there, but just going, look, yeah, that's what it says now. But, yeah. but understand that, that can change, you know. That's exactly you just gotta, it. Just got to prove it wrong. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly it. And, and, and actually, the recovery section uh, was written with Wim Hof. So when me and uh, Tim Sheaf, we lived with Wim for a little bit out in uh, in Amsterdam. He's got an awesome house, and we basically just sat in ice buckets for like weeks. It was really cool. And then um, there was that. So we learn about like when people say, "But why are you never ill?" And we actually uncover that in Wim Hof and all of his teachings. But also, I love what you just said there as well, Jamie, which was. And I know me and you have spoken about it before, but Ralph Waldo Emerson, um, so a uh, big believer in self-empowerment. And he, one of my favorite quotes of his, which has influenced the book, um, if you teach a man principles, he can create his own methods. And I just think there's so many books at the moment that just kind of give people methods. They're like, there's the workout, there's the diet, blindly follow it. And people are like, oh, OK, you know, they don't really understand what's going on here. And they're just like, oh, but it was told me to. Whereas with this book, it's so long with 100,000 words. It was actually cut down from 350,000 words. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I know. The, the agent was like, what is this? Um, but, uh, what world's strongest novel? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, that once you look at the workouts in there, there's a whole narrative to explain exactly why you're doing that. And not only that, if you didn't like the workout after reading the entire chapter, you'd understand how to tweak and tailor it for yourself. And I think that's what's so nice and what's been missing. I always, you know, I always say don't judge a book by its cover, judge it by its shelf life. And I think there's so many books that are being written now that I'm like, will they stand the test of time? No. And I love how much you read, Jamie, and you've been speaking about books that are years and years old. And I wonder how many, you know, bestsellers now that in years to come, you'll go, oh, you never picked up, you know, that book. And and for me, this book really is um, trying to get back to that. You know, yeah. try and get back to Ralph Wilder. Well, that's so it. I mean, like my my mindset muscle book was just a compilation of everything that I'd listened to and read over the last few years. And any mm. books that any book that's coming out these days isn't really reinventing the wheel um, mm. with regards to mindset and philosophy and that because it's all been. You know, I read Aristotle um, things and some of the most amazing things about you know finding balance, finding the mean. Ju- you know. Um, never uh, you know judging someone by the words and everything else like that these are all things that were said thousands of years ago and they haven't changed today and that's what blows me away but i think as well with with all this emerging technology with um everything being available at the fingertips um we have the ability to do the research now and to look at all these things and to see where we are with things and, and and most importantly try and create new new thoughts philosophies and um experiences as well by just understanding who's done what you know like a guy that's always um blown me away that i can only kind of compare with the stuff that you've done is is jack lalane with his Mm. swimming feats you know it's incredible when you see some of the stuff that he used to do um and i think you know you've literally just got my head um buzzing just by saying that someone's breaststroke the channel because i'm like i'm really good at breaststroking and i the the thing that stopped me thinking about it was the fact that i had to learn something new but i don't i just need to get better at the thing that i already do and yeah. and, and grow a moustache so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is exactly it and 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 it's it's i love what you said there that i think too often people are trying to say something was new we've invented something new this is a revolutionary workout and in no way the book unapologetically says that is not the case unless there is a breakthrough you know in the next few years human biology has remained pretty much the same for the last hundreds thousands of years um but what we haven't had is someone to actually put all that we've learned into a conceptual framework to say right how do i run my body i want to get stronger okay page you know 72 right okay there's the diagram okay understood and there's these uh i call them like pyramids of priority so it's like a hierarchical way to actually run your body so if you want to get stronger what is the base of the pyramid what is one of the first things that you need to do granted as you go up the pyramid there are things like resistance bands you know and chains and various things that you can use to improve rate of force development but for this, you know, right up here, it's like, no, no, you haven't got the foundation of your pyramid set yet. Yeah. And so it's this way that people, and, and I know you're the same, Jamie, like with people constantly on your social media seeking advice, but they just want you to give them like one word answers to go, here you go. Whereas the one word answer is like, I guarantee it's in this book. If you've yeah. read this book cover to cover, I'll be surprised if people ask me a question that wasn't already in that book. 
because it's just it's that comprehensive and and it's and it's so often the case that you know Jamie how do I lose weight and you're just like oh people are just wanting you to say you know, and it goes back to what we spoke about before uh, with Nassim Taleb we spoke ages ago when he was talking about, you know, as humans facing limited knowledge, always re- resort to prescribed ideas and narratives. And what I mean by that is we've got limited knowledge. So we just want like one little narrative and say, you know, bananas help you lose weight. You'd have seen it. You know, people just go, oh, yeah, yeah, bananas. She's, she went on a banana diet and, and the, or, you know, he or she and they've lost like, you know, so much weight. So they go, right, bananas. And then everyone starts buying bananas. It's just like, no, like it's the unfortunate truth is it's just education and empowerment. It's going to take a little bit of an investment. Yeah. Not a lot, but a little bit. Stop looking for one word answers. And I think that's what's nice about this book. You know, there is there's no gimmicks. And it says that at the very start. So. And, there's, and then there's more way. There's more than one way of skinning a cat. I think that's the most important thing. And you can still achieve the overall goal by different methods. Yeah. That's, and that's actually a very good point on it. Within the book, we documented what was, so I went on essentially a high fat diet, high carb diet, and what is a a balanced macro uh, approach. And when you look, I had each uh, diet plan perfectly laid out with absolutely everything. And there's three pictures. And I say, which one do I look the best in? And everyone's always, who's, who's read the book go, you look exactly the same in each picture. I'm like, exactly, <laughs> you know? And now internally, I found that I, I ran quite well on a high fat diet, but I didn't necessarily have that injection of speed that I needed if I was racing over like 10K. So I preferred a high carb diet. But ultimately, when your goal is body composition, I say, look at those. And they go, well, you look exactly the same. And I'm like, exactly. There's yeah. so many ways to pick one that you could sustain. Yeah, and I very much wanted to into like see the like British natural bodybuilding final with the top five guys on stage, and then literally delve into their into their diets. And I'd have loved it to have gone right. I did. He did keto. He was high carb. He did intermittent fasting, and he did if it fits your macros. And they all look the same. And it's because yeah, yeah that you got to find what works for you. But as yeah. you said, it's going down to the pyramid and looking at. The nutritional yeah. fundamentals, maintaining a calorie deficit, enjoying what you're doing, and adhering to that plan of action. Um, and that's yeah. and then and then from there, let's have a look at calorie. Let's have a look at macros. Let's have a look at supplementation. Let's have a look at meal frequency and timing, etc., etc. And and then once you've but once you've ticked those boxes of the basics, then you can go up. Then, as you said, the chains, the bands, your chains and bands, they're your supplements, they're your meal timing, they're, they're the little things that yeah, yeah. Make, make the big things a lot easier. You're so right. And that's it. On, on, to go on uh, what you're talking about, like that pyramid there of priority in terms of like uh, fat loss, that you're absolutely right. You know, laws of thermodynamics, calories in, calories out. Then you look at sleep and you, as you go up. And, but at the very top, you're right. There are things like red wine, resveratrol, you know, chemical compound, anti, uh, antibacterial, all sorts of properties. When you go up, you look at like uh, dark chocolate, you know, 80% cocoa. It's, it's a plant-based food, insulin sensitive. You can start to talk about all of that. Um, but that's at the top. Yeah. That's like right at the very top. And too many people look at this pyramid and they go, I saw chocolate. And I'm like, no, there is chocolate. But it's, <laughs> you, know, you can still have it here, but you need to know this before you can, you yeah. know. And, and it's nice that when you actually have it all laid out in this book, you go, yes, you can use bands and chains in your strength training, but learn the biomechanics first. You know, and too many people like, you know, the beginners in the gym, 
And they just go, oh, yeah, he's a bad. And it's like, no, put that down, please. Learn, please put that down. And it's exactly the same with speed. It's exactly the same with stamina. It's exactly the same with your food. There's always a hierarchical way, a pyramid of priority for each one. And that's what's going to be so nice once the book's out, that at any one point you could point to someone in the gym and go, should you be doing that? Where are you at the pyramid of priority? And people yeah. be like, oh. I'm a beginner. Okay, then get the fundamentals first. I love that. And that's I, I love that, the pyramid of priority because obviously I've, um, the only other example of something like that is Eric Helm's muscle and strength training pyramids. Um, but yes. that is, that is basically both of those are pyramids of priority, you know, getting those basics first and then going up. So that's good. I really, really can't wait to get my coffee now. <laughs> so, um, when, when is the official launch date, Ross? And, and most importantly, where can people pre-order? Um, oh, so, yeah, they can pre-order on Amazon at the moment. Yep. Um, and actually, funnily enough, it's going to be launched May the 10th at Body Power Expo. Oh, nice. uh, I'm going to be chatting to my good friend Jamie Alderton about a cheeky <laughs> event that we can do there. But no, so I've been chatting to Nick, uh, CEO of Body Power Expo. I know, you know you're good friends with Nick. Uh, so we've got a few things planned. So I'll absolutely loop you in on that. And then once I leave Body Power Expo, it will be launched. Um, and then that's when loads of ideas are being thrown around uh for some potential world's fittest book tour um so it's kind of world's fittest book and then we go on the world's fittest uh, book tour which might include you doing breaststroke across the channel with a book in your truck <laughs> <laughs> that will help i think i think i'll, I'll shave, shave, shave 30 minutes off <laughs> well ross it, it honestly it's been an absolute pleasure pleasure having you on i could chat to you all day and i'm sure we'll have a probably another half hour chat after this but um i will put the link in for the book guys it is going to be an incredible book i'm, I'm most certainly looking forward to it and ross thank you ever so much for coming on um i can't wait to see what you've got in store in the next couple of years and it certainly motivates and inspires me and drives me to push myself harder too so you know from me thank you ever so much for that Oh, you're a legend. Thanks, big man.